Notre Dame ended its regular season just three days ago, and we've already got a ton of news to talk about, including why retaining Jared Parker is probably the right decision for 2024. That's coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Tuesday, November 28th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm Tyler Wojak, and I'm the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. We got a loaded show for you today. In just a moment here, I'm going to be joined by Luke Smith, as we do every Tuesday. But this Tuesday is going to be a little bit different. We don't spend a ton of time on the Stanford game because we just got so much news to talk about. Marcus Freeman announced that he hoped that every coach on the staff would come back in 2024, which obviously includes Jared Parker. So unless something unforeseen happens, Jared Parker is going to be the offensive coordinator for the Irish in 2024. Plus, we found out that Chris Tyree, Zeke Correll, and Nana Osafa-Mensa all entered their names in the transfer portal on Monday, so we'll get into that. And also, we're starting to get a better idea of Notre Dame's options in the transfer portal at quarterback. Um, Will Howard from Kansas State entered his name in the portal. Riley Leonard is a hot candidate as well because Mike Elko, his coach at Duke, just took the job at A&M. So, loaded show. Let's get right into it. Okay, Luke Smith is here, as he is every Tuesday, and normally we'd go over the three things that we liked and didn't like from the Stanford game, but that's not going to happen today. That game already feels like it happened an eternity ago, and I don't think you and I are ever meant to discuss Notre Dame-Stanford on the road, because a couple years ago we were going to talk about the Stanford game, and then Brian Kelly left. So this past Monday was not as newsworthy as that one, but we still got a ton of news out of South Bend on Monday. But let's start with the biggest piece courtesy of Marcus Freeman when he said, quote, I have a strong belief in the coaches that we have in this football program and would love all of them to be back, end quote. So despite what some fans may have hoped for, it seems like Jared Parker will be the offensive coordinator for the Irish in 2024. What are your thoughts on his decision? Given that quote and just everything else he really said in his press conference today, it's my understanding that Marcus Freeman believes in in continuity. And with that in mind, I don't think it should be that surprising that Jared Parker will be retained. And I guess I have to stop calling him Gerard Butler again. Um, I'm actually going to kind of change my tune a little bit here um, with the benefit of having some time to think about all this, because in all honesty, the hand he was dealt getting this job wasn't easy. Uh, He was a third option, at least maybe a best third option. I should say took the job in February and he really didn't have any veteran receivers to work with all season. It's not really my place to call for anyone's job, and I I think when you consider all the factors surrounding that, it it makes sense that he would get another year, and I think that it would be surprising had he not been retained, actually. I agree with you. I would have been surprised if Freeman had made the move to get rid of him today because there has been nothing that he said that indicated he was going to make a move like that. And I understand that the fan base and and how some people – perceive Jared Parker. They don't think he's the guy. And they were a little bit surprised today by the news. I don't understand that, quite frankly, just in the sense that I didn't think that he had given us any indication. Now, there's certainly um, some things that Jared Parker needs to clean up. We know that Notre Dame uh, is at the tops 
in all of college football in points per game and yards per play. They're ninth nationally in both. They've averaged 39.1 points per game and 6.6 yards per play. So technically, statistically speaking, this is one of the greatest offenses in Notre Dame history. Now, obviously, context is important here. They averaged 19 points per game. Uh, in their three losses. So the offense was clearly a problem in those games. Freeman said as much uh, in his press conference on Monday. But as you pointed out, we all recognize that the situation at wide receiver was not very great. That's not Parker's fault. The offensive line was a little underwhelming. That's not really his fault either. So it was an up and down first year uh, for him for sure. But at this point, he's going to be the guy in 2024, at least unless someone else, another school picks him up. But I think I'm kind of glad that it's over and we can all just accept it and sort of start moving on. Right. I think how swiftly that statement seems to at least have been made, although I know I saw some people out there suggesting maybe that's coach speak. I don't think he would do that. All right. Like, I think that was pretty clear. He's coming back. But when you think about how the fan base spoke about Al Golden at this time last year and like right now at this time too, especially coming off that USC game, And now think about how they speak of him, right? I mean, people wanted him gone last year, too. And I get the argument could be made that whoever the quarterback Parker has next year is going to be worse than what he had in Hartman this year. But I'll bring up Golden again. He just put together a masterful season with a defense that has like one high draft pick and a couple other guys that could get drafted in the NFL, but really like not a ton of star power. And I just think that another year in that system benefited that defense greatly and and it's possible that we could see something similar from the offense. I I also just, it's probably not that great to have a third offensive coordinator in three years. Um, And, and I think that just having some sense of continuity, I I could buy that argument at least Um, ultimately this is Marcus Freeman's decision. And I know a lot of people are going to say that he's tying his fate to Jared Parker. I don't know if it's quite that severe, but I, I I'm curious to see maybe continuity does have a payoff here. Yes, continuity for Jared Parker, but also the entire offensive staff because something that's become more apparent, especially in recent weeks, it honestly all started with that video that Notre Dame put out after the Duke game showing the final two-minute drive and how the offensive staff communicated with each other throughout that drive. Clearly, the play calling is a very collaborative process. In the end, it's Jared Parker making the calls, but he's getting a lot of support from Chancey Stuckey, from Dylan McCullough. Uh, I'm sure Joe Rudolph has a lot of input, even though he wasn't really included in that video. So it's not just Parker. And I think that Freeman looks at the offensive staff as a whole and recognizes that they all need to pick it up. It's not just Jared Parker and the other guys got to pick it up, too, if they're all around. I'm guessing that there's going to be some staff turnover because there always is. So I think Freeman recognizes that as well. He understands that maybe a guy like Dylan McCullough, I know his name has been brought up for the Indiana job, maybe he's gone. So you could try to keep some guys in place and maybe build on that going forward. And I think that once Jared Parker has a full offseason, knowing that he's the offensive coordinator, can learn from his mistakes last year. I think that it's not unrealistic for him to make a pretty significant step going from year one into year two as the offensive coordinator. I I agree with that. And it's interesting. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. In some ways, this 2023 season offensively is very similar to the 2019 season um, where you had an offense that put up a ton of points, but stat padded to some extent against weaker opponents. And they ended up statistically at the end of the year with – ranking very high in a number of categories. Ian Book had his best career year that year as well, too. But 
Chip Long was ultimately fired after that season because he was such a what's the word I'm looking for polarizing figure in that <laughs> locker room. I guess um, it's I don't very know if diplomatic all the way to him. say it. Yeah, yeah, and I think with Parker it seems to me that the players like to play for that guy a lot. Uh, I think that he shoulders a lot of the blame. You see it in his press conferences. Now, of course, the answer to that should be, or the solution would be, well, there shouldn't be that much blame to go around. Just fix it. And and I agree with that. But I, I think that given all those factors, I don't really have a problem with him getting a second year, especially when you consider the schedule next year is not, it's not a gauntlet by any stretch. <laughs> um, and I feel like that might, give him the the leeway or the road work to to figure some things out they talk about what is it, the bumpy road to getting things i forget what the exact bumpy road to better yeah he's gonna have some opportunity against the schedule to do that next year yeah the the schedule that Notre Dame's going up against that next year is not even close to as difficult as what they dealt with this season and Look, no one's going to want to hear it, but Notre Dame did go up, go up against some really, really good defenses this year. Ohio State, even NC State finished in the top 30. Uh, Clemson has a good defense. Duke's really good. So it might sound like we're making excuses for him, and I want to make it clear that Notre Dame's offensive performances in every single loss they had this season was inexcusable. They need to get that cleaned up. It, it, it does fall on Jared Parker to some extent. I just think that the way that some people attribute blame, they're putting it all on Parker, and I just don't think that's fair. Like, Let's look at the Clemson game, right? The offense was terrible in that game. And when we looked at what the quarterback did, Sam Hartman, he had his worst game at Notre Dame by far. Like, there were some plays where guys were open, and he just wasn't hitting them. That's not on Jared Parker. Now, you could make the case that they could have done a little bit more uh, schematically to maybe get some more free access opportunities. Like they had some things going there with the crossing routes. That's true as well. But I think that it was a learning experience for Jared Parker, and he's never going to be as bad as an offensive coordinator as he was this past season. The schedule gets lighter next year, and I think he's going to learn a lot. I also think the talent at the skill position is going to be a little bit better. Yes, and I was probably going to lose Audrick Estime, but I think the receiver room is going to be in a lot better shape next year, and there's going to be other dynamic guys to give the ball to out of the backfield. So I have no reason to think that Norm's offense can't take a big step next season. I agree, and I would also... I would push back a little bit. I Even though they only put up 14 points, I don't think that their performance against Ohio State offensively was that bad. They actually moved the ball pretty well. I would say that the performance against Duke was worse offensively yeah, than yeah. what they did against Ohio State. But yeah, um, and, and here's the thing. I don't know who an alternative is. Uh, yeah. I, I understand that there's a lot of frustration, and some of that frustration is justified. But this is a problem we run into in college football all the time where it's just – okay, let's fire somebody. Uh, and well, but who, who are the other options out there? Like I saw people talking about the UNLV offensive coordinator today. There's no way in hell any of you knew who that guy was <laughs> until yesterday. Okay. I've never heard of that guy in my life. By Neither the way, his, his, his exactly. His receivers coach <laughs> is Dell Alexander. Who's too busy tweeting it nationwide about how they won't return his call. So get out of here with that. Just saying that guy's a stud. You don't know who he is. Yeah. Not only that, there is always a cost to firing a coach. And I'm not saying that um, you should never fire a coach. Like, there's plenty of examples where you have no choice but to move on from a guy, and it's, uh, it's a net positive for the program. Brian Van Gorder is the most obvious example. But there's sometimes when you fire a guy because you think there's a better option out there, and then there's not. Um, I think the most glaring example of this would be like when Tennessee was going to hire Greg Schiano and the fan base revolted, and then guess who they hired? 
Jeremy Pruitt who torpedoed their program. So like it doesn't always work out. And frankly, especially considering how um, Notre Dame's offensive coordinator search went this past offseason, I don't think that there's another option out there that is no doubt going to come to Notre Dame and is definitively better or would have Notre Dame playing better next season, knowing that he's a new guy bringing in a new system. Like that affects the offense and that's going to affect their production as well. So maybe keeping Parker is the best thing that they can do going into next season. Yeah, I think that's ultimately where I've landed. And part of this might just be me deciding I'm going to be on his side because I know how insufferable some people are going to be about the fact that nothing was done. And listen, I understand why people would want something to be done to some extent, but I'm not going to make a big deal about it. Like, you kind of just got to make the most of a situation. This isn't a Brian Ferentz thing, right? So, like, you know, it, it could be worse, and I think it'll be okay. It could be worse, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on Jared Parker again next season. He was already under a lot of pressure this season because of how the whole search went um, a few months ago, but there's going to be a lot of pressure, but I I think that he he deserves another shot in his second season. We'll be right back with Luke to talk about some moving and shaking going on in the transfer portal, but first I wanted to tell you about Fandle. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining Fandle lately, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. For my pick this week, let's take a look at the Thursday night game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys. Right now, the Cowboys are favored by 8.5. I just think that's a lot of points in an NFL game, and I realize the Cowboys are at home. They've been rolling lately, but give me the Seahawks to cover that 8.5. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Today's episode is also sponsored by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs lets find the right people for your team faster and for free. I used LinkedIn Jobs a couple years ago, and they made it easy to contact the hiring manager, learn more about the role, and eventually, I got the job. LinkedIn also makes it incredibly easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. We all know hiring people can be time-consuming, but adding the right team member can be invaluable to your business, and LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier than ever. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one at delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs is to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdowncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockdowncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's move on. We got some transfer portal news. We knew it was going to happen, and it started today because graduate transfers could enter their name in the portal. Something to keep in mind with all of this is that the transfer portal window has decreased from 45 days to 30 days this year, so guys are going to try to get in there as soon as possible because they don't have as much time to figure out all of their options. So today, or excuse me, on Monday, we found out that Chris Tyree, Z Carell, and Nana Osafamenta uh, we're all going to enter their names in the transfer portal. I do not expect any of them uh, to come back to Notre Dame, but let's start with Chris Tyree. We had sort of heard about this for a while. Uh, were you surprised that Tyree ultimately decided to enter his name in the portal? I'll say I was a little bummed by it because I thought he could really blossom with another year as a wide receiver at Notre Dame. Probably was the most consistent receiver they had this year outside of the tight ends, which is saying something too. However, I think, this has been reported a few weeks ago as a possibility. You kind of alluded to that there. And 
Additionally, every receiver that is on the roster right now, outside of maybe Deion Colsey, who who knows how much longer he's going to be on the roster, is at their best when they're playing in the slot, and that just takes up snaps. Chris, Ty- I remember thinking about this earlier in the season. He he was making plays and he wasn't playing a ton of snaps. Um, and, and with that in mind, I think it does probably make sense for him to go to another program and see what he can do with some more time. Yeah, he averaged 23 snaps a game this season, which is a good amount, but he could probably earn more uh, playing for a different offense, maybe playing for an offense that prioritizes passing the ball a little bit more. Notre Dame likes to run 12 uh, personnel a lot. They like to have two tight ends, which doesn't really make room for the slot receiver. Not only that, Notre Dame has Jane Greathouse and Jordan Faison, two true freshmen who shine the season. And as you alluded to, they are best when they play in the slot. So if Chris Tyree is trying to maximize his last year of eligibility at the college level, it probably does make sense for him to look elsewhere, even though it is a bummer because I, like you, really enjoyed rooting for Chris Irie. It seems like he's, you know, the perfect embodiment of a Notre Dame man. He he accepted the position change in stride, worked really hard at it, um, and his effort was rewarded on the field on Saturday this season, and I'm sure that he'll be able to bounce back wherever he goes next. And it actually kind of reminded me of Javante Jean-Baptiste and his situation leaving Ohio State. Like, clearly, he's a really talented player. If he decided to stay at Ohio State, he would have been a reserve. He would have come in off the bench and had to come in for JT Tuomolau and Jack Sawyer. He would have been able to make some plays. I'm sure Ohio State would have loved to keep him. But clearly, leaving and going into another program where he was the focal point, he was the main guy on the defensive line, was better for him for his career. And I think it's the same situation with Tyree wherever he decides to go. It is. And I'll be curious to see where that is. But... um an interesting career, right? a guy who was a five-star prospect, believe it or not, as a running back, um, and was between Notre Dame and Alabama and Oklahoma, I think, and played a lot as a freshman, had some exciting moments, but even though he made so many plays, I know just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the fact that he's one of like three or four guys to score via kick return, punt return, receiving touchdown, and rushing touchdown. I feel like you can't help but think that his career probably didn't live up to expectations. Yeah, because, but when you say that, it sounds like uh, yeah, it, sounds, it sounds so negative, but mm-hmm. it's really not. Like mm-hmm. he had he had a solid career, but when you have that five star status and you do what he did as a true freshman, your hopes uh, for him and what he could do at Notre Dame really sort of escalate. And even though it didn't work out at running back, I still think he was very productive as a wide receiver for Notre Dame this season. I also think that his presence was very important in the locker room. So it's unfortunate that he's leaving. There's going to be a void uh, at wide receiver in terms of veteran leadership, but hopefully guys like Deion Colsey, hell, even Tobias Merriweather, if he sticks around, he's going to be a junior next year. He's going to be one of the veteran guys on that group. But let's move on to Zeke Correll because that one – Took me by surprise a little bit. I figured he would leave. I just thought he would make a shot for the NFL, really. Like, it was a little bit uh, of a disappointing season for him. He really had a bad game against Duke, and then he got banged up at the end of the year. But Notre Dame is really high in Ashton Craig, and I think that played a part in Zeke Carell's decision as well. The Craig point you made there is why I was not surprised by this, but I agree. I thought maybe he'd try the NFL practice squad route. Um, He's from Ohio. Maybe he could go to a place like, I don't know, Cincinnati or Michigan State, somewhere in the Midwest, stay local. I mean, this is a guy that was a top 150 recruit, believe it or not. And he started in a college football playoff game due to injury, but 
he was kind of a guy that almost seemed to get a little bit worse as his career went on. And not just this year, I just feel like he deteriorated a little bit. And I don't know if that's just, he's a smaller guy and the injuries piled up over time, but I, I wasn't that impressed with him, particularly in the Clemson game before he got hurt. I thought he, and unfortunately that's going to be his last game in Notre Dame uniform. And it was one of his worst, um, but yeah, he's, he's gone. I, I'll be curious to see where he lands too, but I, not super surprised to see him move on from the program. And it's not just Craig, too. Notre Dame put Christophich at center at one point. Um, Coogan got some reps there as well. Now, I think for the future of the position, it's going to be Ashton Craig. The coaching staff um, has raved about him. They, they had raved about him before he even saw the field on Saturdays. And then when he came in uh, for Correll, once he suffered that concussion against Clemson, I thought he's played pretty well over the past two games. Now, granted, it's against Wake Forest and Stanford. Maybe it'd be a different discussion if he had to come in against Ohio State or Duke. But I think that he did nothing to make us think that he wasn't ready, that it wasn't his time. And now he's going to have another opportunity in the bowl game. And I think that he's going to be at the guy at the position going forward. But then there's still going to be a big competition for those two guard spots. And maybe if C. Carell had stayed, his his position was not solidified because of how many talented guys Notre Dame has on the interior of their offensive line. It is in a slight detour there, but this opportunity that Craig and Shrouth are getting starting these last three games of the year is huge because this way, the first game they ever start isn't going to be at Kyle field against Texas A&M next year. They're going to have three games under their belt. That's pretty big. Yeah. And uh, Mike Elko is going to be leading the charge. And uh, I'm pretty disappointed that, the AM fans got their wish when they revolted over Mark Stoops because I think Stoops would have been fine at AM, but I don't know. I just I have a lot of respect for Elko, and I think that even it though it's gonna be his first game and he's probably gonna be patching it together still, that's gonna be a really tall task for Notre Dame going into Kyle Field to start the season next year. Yeah, I'd definitely go against Stoops, or rather go against Stoops than um than Elko, but you can't always get what you want, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, I know. All right, let's. Uh, we got one more though. We got Nano Asafa He announced his decision to transfer. He was actually the first one of the three to announce his decision. Um, this one, I was a little bit disappointed because I know that he's a leader on the team, even though he split time with uh, JJB and didn't really play as much as we thought he might going into this season. I still think his presence was felt, um, and I'm sure that Notre Dame would love to have him back for next season, but he's going to opt out. Uh, he's going to try to go somewhere else, and I think it's the same situation as Tyree. Come back and play at Notre Dame where you get, like, I don't know, 20 to 25 snaps a game or try to go somewhere else where you can be, you know, a 40 to potentially 50 snaps per game kind of player. It, it makes sense for for that reason. It is interesting you say that, though. Actually, he made his announcement today, and I went on Instagram, and the first post that popped up was a post from Notre Dame from two days ago before the game. And he's in the middle of the huddle, like breaking the team down, which is kind of weird. Think about now it's not even part of the program. And that that actually brings me to a point I wanted to make because I feel like Freeman has been this way with even opt-outs before. And so with these guys, it's kind of like as soon as they're like, hey, I'm going to hit the portal. It's like, all right, see ya. Like you're, you're, you're done. Um, and it's funny because <laughs> I was thinking when I was a senior in college, um, this, this is a a story, but it feeds into this shows the difference between Notre Dame basketball and Notre Dame football. The Rolfs had just been converted into uh, the practice facility for the basketball team. And this is by like late March, April, the season's over. And Liam Nelligan walk on who I think has actually Shout been out. on this program before. Mm -hmm. um, 
he I asked him, hey, can you just give me a tour of what that facility looks like? I'd like to see it. I was like, sure. So I went in there with him. And DJ Harvey, who was in the portal, is just hanging out in like the team lounge. And in the lounge, you see like all their transfer portal targets on the wall. I'm like, Mike Bray is just allowing DJ Harvey to continue (laughs) to hang out here like a month after he's in the portal. It was pretty weird. Um, I don't think that's happening in the gook. Bray had no idea that Harvey was in (laughs) that room. I don't think he was in there because it was the (laughs) offseason. Bray... Bray probably gave him his keys and like, oh, I'll be back in a couple months. I, I've got some other stuff to attend to at the timing. Yeah, Marcus Freeman has sort – he definitely um, made his stance clear as soon as he took over the head coaching job. Once Kyle Hamilton and Kyron Williams declared that they were going to the NFL draft, he was like, all right, bye. But they were not really around the team at all. Uh, I do think they were on the sideline for the bowl game. But uh, Hamilton was sitting by me at that game, so no. Okay, then never mind. Last year, though, last year, Foskey and Mayer were on the sideline, so I don't know. Yeah, okay, so maybe he changed it a little bit, but yeah, he's made that pretty clear, and uh, I I understand why you want to have that attitude, and he he knew that these things were coming. He's been talking to the players. He mentioned that they had meetings after, or no, excuse me, during the second bye week, and that they're going to have more meetings uh, throughout the course of this next week with um, a couple other guys, because uh, this Monday was really for all the graduate transfers. Like next Monday, there's going to be another giant influx of guys who are leaving Notre Dame. And uh, that's just the nature of college football these days. There's going to be more roster turnover for every single team now than there's ever been. And that's that's not like a, a sign of bad things to come for the program. I just think this is the way that things are going. Luke and I still have plenty more to get to, including some potential targets for Notre Dame in the transfer portal at the quarterback position. But I wanted to tell you about some exciting stuff we got going on here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Lockdown has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. This episode of Lockdown Iris is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game, and you've heard me talk about Prize Picks before. I've had so much fun playing it during the football season, and now you can play it during the basketball season as well. You just select two or more players and pick more or less on their projected stats and place your entry. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy, and that's just one of the reasons why I think it's the best daily fantasy game out there. Go to pricepicks.com slash lockdowncollege and use code lockdowncollege for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash lockdowncollege, code lockdowncollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks, daily fantasy sports, made easy. And the thing is, Notre Dame is losing guys, but they're also going to get a lot of guys in the portal as well. Notre Dame absolutely nailed it uh, in the transfer portal last season, bringing guys in, Sam Harmon, Chavante, Jean-Baptiste, Thomas Harper, just to name a few. And now Notre Dame is in the market for another grad transfer quarterback. And the picture is starting to clear up a little bit. It seems like they're looking at Will Howard, the Kansas State transfer, uh, who put his name in the portal on Monday. Riley Leonard seems like a viable option because Mike Elko took the job at AM, so Leonard is probably going to leave Duke. And then Washington State quarterback Cam Ward is another name that's been thrown around. So there's a bunch of different options. I'm sure that there's some guys that maybe we haven't heard yet that Notre Dame is probably looking at. Um, but out of those three, or Steve Angeli and Kenny Menchie, who do you want to start for Notre Dame next year? Not Riley Leonard. <laughs> um, 
in all seriousness, I've never really just thought Riley Leonard was that good. I don't think he can throw the football. Um, it also sounds like, and John Bryce of Football Scoop and Irish Illustrated report this, it sounds like Oregon and Washington are pretty heavy on Riley Leonard. Mind you, he has not entered the portal yet, but if he does, it sounds like that's perhaps more likely destinations given how willing they are to shell out some coin to get quarterbacks. Um, Cam Ward is just kind of an enigma. He's He can play really well, or he can just play debilitatingly bad football. Will Howard, admittedly, I have not watched enough to form a full opinion on. I know that he's a big dude, um, and he's a little bit athletic, and he started for four years, which isn't nothing, at Kansas State, won a Big 12 title. Um, I think the last time I was on here, though, I was saying that I kind of needed to be Steve Angelius, the starting quarterback, and despite his god-awful pick the other <laughs> night, I don't know if I can just turn my back on him like that. I, I, I'm hoping – that they bring in a Will Howard type character and Steve Angeli wins the job, but I don't know how likely that is. Yeah, there is. Uh, there's not been a worse timed interception for a player than what Steve Angeli did on Saturday against Stanford because there was a lot of optimism about him coming off of that pick game when he went six to seven, and it was sort of like, wow, man. And Jelly and mop-up duties looked really sharp. Then he comes in against Stanford, first play interception. Um, so that was tough for him. Obviously, we're not saying that he shouldn't be the starting quarterback next year because of that one play. That's ridiculous. But I do think it was a reminder like, oh, yeah, he's young, he's inexperienced, and he's only been playing against bad teams. Uh, I feel like Will Howard checks all the boxes for what Notre Dame needs right now. I'm not telling you that he's going to be some slam dunk home run transfer acquisition, but I think that for what Notre Dame needs next year, they need a guy with a bunch of experience. And also, I think they need a guy who can run. Um, Sam Hartman, he can scramble a little bit, but Will Howard is a really effective runner. He had 364 rushing yards and nine touchdowns this year, partially because he's such a big dude. He's 6'5", 242, so he looks like a defensive end, um, but he can move a little bit. I think he'd be very, uh, he'd be a very nice piece for the room. And does that mean that Angelia Rinchy, one of them is probably going to transfer? Yeah, but that's just sort of the nature of the business right now. And Notre Dame needs to have three scholarship quarterbacks going into next season. They can't afford to not take a guy. And I think that Will Howard, another thing with him, is like he has the right attitude and mindset to sort of come into a room like this and, and willingly enter a quarterback competition. It's not going to be like Sam Hartman where he came in and that they had some like foul competition when everyone really knew that Hartman was going to be the guy. I think it would be a legit competition with Angeli and maybe even Minchie to some extent. Um, and I think that he has the right attitude for that to work. I hope so. Like I said, I, I'm not informed enough to know what, what he's like or, or I really still need to spend some more time watching him. Um, what I do know is that regardless, and this would have been the case, you know, even if they – if they don't get a guy, this is going to be Notre Dame's fifth starting quarterback in five years. And if they go the grad transfer route, then it'll end up being a sixth in six years in all likelihood um, in 2025. We talked about continuity earlier, and maybe this is just the era we're living in. But at some point, I would like to see Notre Dame <laughs> start a quarterback who they actually recruited. I think that time will come. I don't think it's going to be next year. Or it might be, but I think Will Howard will definitely start that game against Texas A&M if he were to come to Notre Dame. I think he's probably the odds-on favorite right now, at least in my opinion. And when I when I say that, I think he has the right attitude and all this stuff. I'm going to be honest. I'm basing all of this off like a 10-minute conversation that Will and I had at Big 12 Media Days this year. So uh, I was really impressed by him then. Obviously, I didn't ever think during that moment that 
this guy could be uh, the starting quarterback for Notre Dame in 2024, but he just seemed to to really be happy to be there, and usually you don't get that with a lot of quarterbacks at media days, but he's really nice, had nothing but good things to say, very well spoken, and uh, I just think he's a good fit, but to your point about Notre Dame not developing quarterbacks, one thing that is a bit concerning is that of all the transfer quarterbacks, just not this year, but in recent years in college football, when guys are there a second year, that's usually when they're best. I mean, look at Joe Burrow. His first year at LSU was solid, but it wasn't anything like what he did in the second year. Bo Nix, I mean, same yeah. thing. Penix. Michael Penix. Like, right. all of these guys really took off in their second season as a transfer. So Notre Dame is getting these guys on one-year rentals, Jack Cohen, Sam Hartman, and whoever they decide to get in this transfer portal cycle. But that is unfortunate. Like, I don't, I don't have a problem getting a transfer quarterback, but you wish they could be around for more right. than one year. Exactly. That's that's just how I feel about it. But that might just be the world we're living in. Yeah, and I do think that Will Howard is more he's more similar to Jack Cohn in the sense of like I'm gonna be honest, when when Notre Dame got Jack Cohn, I was so out on it. I was like, Jack Cohn? We're getting a Wisconsin quarterback in the transfer portal. Like, I mean, I understand that Tyler Buckner's gonna be a true freshman, but then, you know, after a shaky start with him, he really turned it on at the end of the year and it ended up being the right decision. I think that Will Howard, people aren't going to be blown away if he does end up being the guy or camp, like any of these guys, even Riley Leonard. Like right now, you and I are out on him. If he ends up being the quarterback for Notre Dame, I'm sure that like by the end of spring practice, we'll be able to convince ourselves that he's the guy uh, to lead Notre Dame to the playoff next season. Probably. Um, I still don't want that to have to be a conversation I have to have with myself, but yeah, you're <laughs> probably right. Okay, do you have any thoughts on the Stanford game? I feel like we should talk about it maybe for a minute or two, unless you're already completely moved on for that one. It felt like a scrimmage, um, and part of that was just because of how darn hard it was to find the game. Like, I was at a bar that did not have FUBU, or FUBO, sorry, the, the Pac-12 Network slash FUBO, obviously they didn't have that. So I had to go home, figure out how to, like, I created, like, a couple separate accounts to figure out how to get it. I messed up the package the first time. I actually did cancel those this morning, so I'm glad I yeah. did that. But good reminder, um, everyone cancel your subscription. Yeah. The announcers were kind of weird, I thought, too. Like they it honestly felt like a Notre Dame Homer broadcast. Granted, the one guy did go to Notre Dame, but like just the way they were building up Notre Dame, it felt like I was listening to the radio broadcast. And uh, yeah, it was it was a strange one. There's just there's no other way <laughs> to put it. Um, I'm glad they kind of they might have to get rid of that game, if we're being honest. It just it's turning into when they go out to Stanford at the end of the year, it's just not even a game. It's weird. It's it is a totally different vibe than USC, obviously. And you think back to that 2021 game, it was the same deal. Notre Dame just put it on them early and the stadium was half full. It was mostly Notre Dame fans like Notre Dame is struggling to to maintain its rivalries. And, you know, I would much rather see them play like Michigan State, even though they're you know, a dumpster fire right now. Although I'd like the Jonathan Smith hire, but it does seem weird that we have to do that game every single year. I, I mean, yeah, last year they beat Notre Dame in an inexplicable upset, but yeah, now whenever Notre Dame heads to Stanford, it doesn't even feel, it's like, it's like starting or ending your season with a jamboree game. Like it just makes no sense. And it's sort of a weird way to go out. Like that's the last time we're going to see Audrey Esme and probably some other guys in the team. And it's a, just a weird way to end it. Yeah. I mean, Chris Tyree already. Right. So yeah, it's, it's definitely strange. All right, well, that's it uh, for this one. We're going to have a lot more Transfer Portal stuff to talk about next week, I'm sure. So, Luke, I'm already looking forward to it, but hopefully uh, we get some good news between now and then. And it's not just guys leaving Notre Dame when we start to hear some guys coming to Notre Dame. Yeah, sounds like a plan. When does the portal open? Like, or Well, 
it, it is open, but when can we start? I don't think you can start contacting guys till next Monday, right? Or something like that. Yeah, next Monday is the day, December 4th. So we got conference championships on Saturday, selection Sunday, and then that day, that December 4th day is going to be absolute madness. And we will be here on Tuesday to talk about it all. Sounds good. All right. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen today. We've got plenty more coaching news. There's going to be a lot more transfer portal news in the coming days and weeks, and we're going to have you covered here on the show. The best way to stay up to date with everything we're doing is to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can also follow us on social media, wherever it is that you social media. But I'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place.